0: The opinions and views expressed in this video are purely for entertainment purposes and not for investment advice. Hello YouTubers, welcome back to another episode of Jack the Wild Trades. Uh, I'm sorry I've been away for two weeks, um, but uh, Kaylin and Sam and uh, Brandon have been keeping it uh, live. So thanks guys. just realized you're wearing a boring company hat. Oh yeah. I got a bunch of <laughs> Do you have a flamethrower? I got a, you know what? Uh, I actually saw what, what it was that they made. All they took was a um, uh, a regular torch and like some kind of like bicycle mount and then just made it look like it was a flamethrower.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, because so, I remember, I remember, was it on Joe Rogan's podcast when Elon was saying that it's not technically a flamethrower because flamethrowers yeah. are illegal. So it's like, it's technically a blowtorch or something weird.
0: Yeah, he's actually very, very clear about that. He's like, very literal. He's like, this is not a flamethrower. This is a, a <laughs> It even says on the box not a flamethrower <laughs> that's
1: so funny oh,
0: all right so uh yeah i think you
1: were saying you got a couple of messages about people just uh like uh trying to get into trading and stuff or they want to like learn how to set up a strategy or kind of like like what were you what was the consensus you were getting from those guys
0: yeah i was thinking um to lean on you this episode to like kind of um because I, I i'm not a, i'm not that big on big of a trader so then um I don't there's some things i couldn't really answer but um in terms of like how how refined a strategy you use um to to enter and exit trades because what what i was being shown i'm like the little that i do trade i'm like those aren't really actionable instructions like it's not really a strategy so i thought it would be good if you went over like what an actual strategy looks like
1: okay yeah, so we'll just dive right into it here because I think we're still uh, we're still being cheap and we're on the free Google, which gives us like an hour to share screens. So, oh, nice. <laughs> so yeah, Sam, if you want to pop over to my screen here, I'm just going to get, uh, I just have paint open. So like, I'll just go through like just kind of generally uh, what to look for uh, when you're trying to set up a strategy. So um, it really works both long and short side. Um, like I know David and I, we have different trading methods. Like Brandon has different trading methods. So first off, to clarify, we're talking about trading here not investing. So this is like, you know, over a period of minutes, hours, you know, days up to maybe a few weeks kind of thing is what we're talking about here. So um the number one thing when it comes to shorter term trading is the company, I don't want to word this wrong, but the company doesn't really matter that much. Um and what I mean by that is, you know, if the company has like some new product they're releasing or there's like some new thing that's going on or you're worried about what's going to happen and Eight months when they have some merger, like all that stuff is basically irrelevant. So, the key things you really want to look for are, um, like for me, anyways, and this is like this is what a lot of traders look for. So, I'll kind of write them up here is, um, just so you guys can kind of see it. Um, short float, um, short float is really key because that's basically going to tell you like how fast the stock can move in either direction. So, um, basically you know 20% is kind of the main kind of like the threshold, I guess you could say for for traders. Um, so like that means basically you know 20% of the show, the float is sold short. and once you get to 20%, that's when it gets riskier on the short side of things. That's when it gets better on the long side of things. So you know it depends what kind of what kind of trade you're looking at. So like if you look you know back to GME and AMC and those ones, like the reason everybody was buying into those thinking that it was gonna you know go to the moon was because it had, you know, like I think GME was like 100% short float or, you know, whatever it was, AMC was like, you know, 30% or whatever it was at the time. Um, so that means that, you know, essentially if, if you get over certain levels where most people are short, they're going to cover, covering creates buying pressure because they're buying those shares back and then your stock's going to go higher. So um, if you're a short bias trader... Um, especially if you're beginning, I would recommend you know even less than this like if you're a new trader, you probably want to look at stuff that's like 10 percent or less short float. Um, if you're a long bias trader, then the higher the short float generally the better for for your side of things. Um, another thing you want to look at is the float itself. So this is basically how how fast things are gonna move is how you can think of that. So if you're looking at uh, depending what time frame you're looking at, you know if you're looking at say like on the the one minute charts, something like that, you know, the, the smaller the float, the quicker it's going to move. So if you're, I, I think a general rule of thumb is like, depending how active you can be on your screens, you probably want to go to like a bigger float if you're not going to be involved as long. So like if you're, you know, if you're kind of swing trading or if you're not really able to keep a closer eye on the stock, then it's it's generally safer to go to a bigger float. Um, but you still want it to be something that's going to move. So like for me, like my favorite is kind of probably like 50 million or less. Um, that's kind of the range that I like to work in. Uh, just because then I know it's going to move pretty quick. Uh, I know it's, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be something that's going to take forever to play out. So the 50 million or less, like, you know, sorry, what did you gonna? Do
0: you uh, consider market cap at
1: all? Like have a yes. range? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that yeah, that's the next one I look at. So, so float, if it's, if it's fifty million or less, you know it's going to move. Um, if it's uh, if it's like less than like ten, then you're getting a little bit sketchier on the short side. So you're going to want to give it a lot more range. Like if it's like a five million float stock, then you want to give it way more range. And like what I mean by that is, you know, I'll, I'll draw some charts here in a minute. But basically, you just you just want to be able to give it a little bit more wiggle room. So like if you're you know if you're if your stop level is ten dollars. Then, if it's you know a hundred million float, you can set your stop say at like you know ten dollars and fifteen cents or ten dollars and twenty cents. But if it's a if it's a five million float or a, or like a two million float, you might even need to be willing to let your stop be like over eleven dollars, just because they can they can just flutter around that quick and it'll stop you out without actually um, breaking the pattern. So um, that's just something to keep in mind on the short side. Long side again is basically the opposite. So I'm writing this all out. Um, basically what to look for, uh, for me, like, if I'm shorting. Um, it's essentially the opposite if you're going long. Like, if you're going long and you have, like, a 2 million float stock that has, you know, 30% of uh, short float, then that's great because, you know, that there's not a lot of shares and all those shorts are going to get blown out real fast and things going to move like crazy. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's uh, the next thing is uh, market cap. So the market cap of the company is basically just, like, what the company's worth. Um, I like 200 million or less, personally. Um, and the reason I like uh, the reason I like 200 million or less is that basically just tells me that it's you know it's kind of a, a garbage company that's not really necessarily worth a whole lot of money. Um, there's not probably not a lot of investors. You know, it's probably in my price range. Like I like to trade stocks that are $10 or less, um, but, but like not less than a dollar because when you get into the pennies, it just gets it's a little too out of my out of my wheelhouse. Um, But yeah, 200 million or less, again, it kind of goes back to the same thing, like, you know, it's going to be able to move, you know, it's not going to take a huge amount of of traders to make the stock uh, give you some range to work with. Um, And then, you know, it goes to the same thing. So the market cap's 200 million, then you're safer on the short side. You know, if it's like 5 million, then it's more kind of a long bias thing. So, you know, really, you know, really, it comes down to whatever side you're playing. So you can just kind of look at them like that
0: um what else did you look at any
1: of the stuff when you're doing your trades david or
0: uh no but but then again like but then i it's almost the same philosophy though i only trade um large caps okay so i don't think i trade anything below like 20 billion in uh, market <laughs> cap yeah because um so then i i, I know the liquidity is there um and then I, it's a lot safer for swings like because uh, what you're playing is like crazy volatility in a short period of time. And I'm like, that's the opposite of what I want. I want more stability, more predictability over a longer period yeah. of time.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's what we were just, you know, just talking about at the start is that if it's, you know, the bigger these numbers are, not the short flow, but the bigger the flow to the market cap is, generally speaking, the slower the stock's going to move. So like if you are doing, you know, if your plan is that like, oh, I can only look at my charts, you know, once a week kind of thing or whatever, then you might want to, you probably want to do something that's, you know, it's maybe got like a, you know, a 300 million float and like a billion market cap or something. Because then, you know, you know, you're not going to, for the most part, you're not going to wake up one morning and be down 50%. right? <laughs> so that's kind of a good, a good point. Um, I've, and, seen you know, just, I've seen how
0: I've, I've seen how your stocks moved. Like it's like anywhere between like 50 to like 300% within like the morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And i mean so, for like a 20% over like a few weeks.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, even this week, I think we had like SGOC, I think went up like 600% this week. Uh, <laughs> RGC, I think it went up like, yeah, like a few hundred percent at least this week. Uh, what was another one. NURO, I think was another one, went up a few hundred this week. So, you know, like it, it's common, like it, it happens, but that, but like that's based on these these parameters that I'm writing out here, right? So like this stuff happens all the time. Like you know, if you see like you know, you look at GME or AMC or whatever everybody's talking about, like these, you know, it's gone 500, you know, 1,000 percent or whatever. It's like, it, like it happens. It happens weekly, like multiple times a week, generally speaking, in small caps. So it's not like it's not like a like a weird occurrence or anything like that. So all you want to do is just you know, sit back and like, like look at these parameters and learn how to trade them so that you can make money off them. Um, institutional ownership. Um, again, this is another big one that I look at. Um, I like it to be like as small as possible. Like, I mean, 20% is probably um, the max that I like to look for on the short side. Again, uh, institutional ownership, you can basically think of that as essentially, you know, how many people, like how many big investors are in this company, right? So you know, if you look at it, like, if you look at it from the long side, if you have like an 80% institutional ownership, that's a really good sign because that means a lot of people, like a lot of institutions are buying into the company. They think it's going to go up. Like, it's probably a decent company, you know, generally speaking. Um, so it has less of a chance of like just snapping down and failing and, you know, stopping you at a long side. So if you have, you know, a really high institutional ownership, that's really good for if you're a long bias trader. If you're a short bias trader, you want really low institutional. Like, you know, if you can get like a like a 0.5% institutional ownership, that's a good sign short side because you know that none of the big names are investing in this company because it's garbage. So it's probably going to go down. Um, and then what else do I look at? I think that's probably pretty much it. Uh, let me just, and you run
0: those, you run, you run those um, parameters through your scanner, right?
1: Um. No, my scanner is basically just based on um, like uh, volume traded in the day, and then price and the float, but like market cap and institutional ownership. I just use uh, filingspro.com. I'll write that up here. Right. Filingspro.com. That's where I find all my information. And like when you go to that website, it literally like you type in the ticker name, it literally gives you a snapshot of like all these things listed right there. So it's super quick and easy to sort things out. but yeah, that's that's basically all I look at is those is those four things to to come up with a consensus for whether or not I'm going to trade it. Um, the next step is you know what what are you actually looking for in the chart, right? So um, if you're if you're just starting out and you're you know you're you're trying to figure out you know what to look for or like what am I going to trade? The best thing that I would say to do is is you know look for things that are moving because like you know if a stock's not moving, you're not going to make money off it. Like you don't want to be You don't want to be staring, you know, sitting there staring at Apple when it's consolidating, trying to figure out how to trade that because there's no there's no trades there. Like, that's just all like algorithms going through. It's just all institutions buying and selling. There's not going to be any really tradable patterns. Like if you want to find tradable patterns, it has to be retail that's dominating the stock. And basically the way you can tell retail is dominating the stock is it has like significantly above average volume. So you can do this on stocks like Apple or, you know, like Tesla, like David does, obviously, like they're huge companies. Um, but uh, retail, if, if retail dominating is it, dominating it, then it'll trade out, like the, the patterns will work. So the first thing you want to do is try and figure, you know, what are your biggest movers? So you could start out by scanning for, you know, today's top percentage movers and just go through a bunch of them. And then you're, you know, today's top losers or, or whatever the case is. And then just, you just want to start with a wide range that and just kind of narrow your way down. So, so, you know, if you're looking at uh, like, okay, like say I'm a swing trader, like I can only, I can only enter and exit trades after hours because of when I'm working. So like, I need to find stuff that's, you know, it's going to be a longer term picture. Like I want to find big moves over a few days. um, And that's what I got to look for. So you'll basically scan for stocks that are moving and then just start uh, like, basically what I do is I just start screenshotting them all. Like I think, you know, David, I've shown you my Millions of folders that I have. <laughs> like I think I, I probably have, you know, like like thousands and thousands and thousands of just photos of stocks that I've saved over the years. Like literally, probably like 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 five or six thousand images of just chart patterns that I've found. Um, you know, with notes all over them, lines all over them, and everything, just to try and try and kind of narrow down um, like which ones are moving. So, oh, we lost you, David. Uh, <laughs> Could you still hear me?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try to deal with this. Um, All right. I'll keep going then.
1: Um, So yeah, basically uh, like once you find out what's moving, just start tracking them. And then you'll, after you've tracked that, you know, if you're doing swing trading where the the patterns might take a week or two to trade out, it's going to take you longer to accumulate like a good level of of data to work from. If you're trading um, like on the day, you can accumulate data pretty quickly but basically you just want to keep saving those charts and then you know every weekend or you know at the end of every month or whatever the time frame is just take you know a few hours sit down there and just just go through all the pictures like just look look at all the pictures back and forth and you'll start seeing kind of similarities like you'll see like oh this one you know this one kind of did the same thing as this one and then you'll pull those two together and put them in a folder and then when you see that one again then you start you know you start putting that into that folder and then over time you know maybe you'll have Maybe originally you started with, you know, stocks hitting new 52 week highs. And then by the end of that, you have, you know, 15 different folders of stocks that broke 52 week highs that did 15 different things when they got to those new highs. Um, And then from that, you try and narrow down, okay, which ones had, uh, you know, the best moves, like which ones were the biggest, the biggest rewards for the least amount of risk. And then you narrow down into that a little bit further. You just kind of keep working your way down until so you can get to something that kind of makes sense, and you know, while keeping in mind whatever um, fundamentals you want to work with, and again, like these are just the ones that I work with, but you know, you could look at uh, price-to-earnings ratio, you could look at, uh, you know, the um, like, you know, whatever you want to look at. There's a million different indicators, but uh, you don't want to overcomplicate it too much, in my opinion, because then it just gets messy. Like I could, I could look at a stock that I know how to trade. And find some indicator that completely invalidates what i what I was planning on doing, um just because it's not on the right time frame or it's not based towards that specific stock or whatever. So you know keep your indicators minimal, uh, in my opinion, and keep your keep your general um, parameters you know somewhat minimal to a degree. Like you know if you have if you have four or five or six criteria that a stock has to meet, and it meets all those criteria. Generally speaking, you're probably in pretty good shape to take the trade. Um, so, you know, if we're looking at an actual chart, you know, you can look at something like this. i get it. Hold on. How does this? Oh, that's
2: weird. I don't want that. Hold on there. Um,
1: how do I actually draw on this thing? Oh, pencil. There we go. <laughs> I don't use this very much. So yeah, if you're if you're looking at, uh, you know, a lot of people know. You know chart, you know you look online and it's like oh you have a chart like this and it's like oh it breaks out so they'll draw their you know they'll draw their lines
2: um why is this not showing up here is
0: this gonna work so the the person that messaged me the other day i was like
2: There
0: we go i forgot what i should have said was i can't remember what my answer was but i should have said like and i don't know if you agree or not but you should if you're going to start trading you should have some sort of an edge right because they, they had like a cookie cutter strategy and I was like that's something but to start with but you need something more right to 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 guys I guess enhance your chances of uh of winning
1: yeah yeah and it's like the like the the, the patterns themselves generally are sound like I just drew this one here as you know your your normal like bull patent or whatever it's called here you know and but like you, I mean you can google this you can see it you know you can see stocks where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, this is this is a head and shoulders pattern, right? So it's generally a bearish pattern. And then they, they draw the line there and they say once it, you know, once it breaks here, then you're going down and it's going to go down, you know, the same height as the head. Right. So that's, you know, that's how a head and shoulders pattern generally works. But it's like, okay, like what happens if I, you know, if I like just change the color here, like what happens if I get in down here and then the stock reverses and now it's up here and then it's up here. Like you're going, oh shit, like well, this isn't working. What's going on? Right. So maybe that's maybe it's because you know the float wasn't the right, the right amount of float, or you know, the short float was really, really high. So when it dipped down, you know, it squeezed the shorts and now it's coming back up. Or maybe it's just coming up to test the level and now it's coming down. Right. So just looking at these uh um patterns online, like it can be helpful for sure, but it's not like they're never this clean. Like they're never ever that clean. So um you gotta
2: Basically,
1: um, you, have to, you have to just learn how to how to give yourself the appropriate amount of risk. So one of the like one of my favorite patterns is basically, you know, essentially it's you get a long, like however many days of an uptrend, and then we break that uptrend line, and then I'll short the next pop Because as soon as that uptrend line is broken, then you know that the, the momentum has shifted, you know that the shorts are now in control, you know, longs have started to sell. So uh, like just if I'm just going to kind of draw like an arbitrary thing, like you know, maybe it's something like this, you know, whatever, what like whatever the stock's doing, and then you can go, this works. Why this line is not showing up,
0: hmm. paints, uh, paints weird. I, I don't know what's wrong with Microsoft, they can't do yeah, it. Yeah. life. All right, Microsoft paints terrible, so it's gonna
1: be a really bad line, but that's supposed to be a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so let, yeah. So let's say that's that's your uptrend line there, right? And here's your here's your stock. So it's doing its thing, you know. This can be over a period of of weeks or days or minutes or whatever your time frame is, right? And then basically, you know, you get to a point where all of a sudden, you know, the stock breaks that line. And basically, right when it breaks that line there, if I draw that in red, right when it breaks that line right here that's, that's like my first indicator, like, okay, we, you know, we've shifted, we've shifted momentum, like longs are going to start to sell. And and so the next thing that I look at is I want to start looking to short the pop. So like what i what I might do, depending on the setup is, um, you know, I might, I might put on a little piece here and then it might just tank right down. And then I just cover right into say like this, this level right here. And that might be it. Like I might only get like you know maybe an eighth of my size on or something like that. Um, the other thing that you want to keep in mind here.
0: You know what that chart looked like? If you, if you, I don't know if you can pull it up, but that looked almost exactly like Ford. Remember we talked oh, talking yeah. about shorting, like <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it's like Intel. Like it was the same kind of thing. That's why I shorted Intel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so like if you if you get if you get like a big break, um, if you get a break below like far below a top, and again this works on the flip side, like the long side as well. I'm just talking short side because that's kind of my specialty. Um, sometimes you can get a chart where it kind of goes like this, and you don't get you know you don't get a little clean break right there where it goes under that line, right? Where there's kind of like a, a short top. You know, you might get uh, you might get something like this where you know you get this huge ramp up here, and then it comes down like that. So now you're looking, you know, right there is your break. And it's like, you know, this could be, say, $15 a share. And down here it could be, say, $8 a share, right? So, okay, it's broken the line. Let's get in here. But now all of a sudden it does this. Now what do you do, right? Like now you're going, oh, shit, like I'm way underwater here. So this is where sizing comes in really important is you have to, you have to draw, like, The levels where a stock breaks and the level where a stock breaks out are key levels. So anytime any level of consolidation all the way up or all the way down are really important. So like on this particular setup here, like I'd be looking at that level right here, um, like this one right here would be basically the last time it showed any level of support. So if if I'm getting in down here, yes, it's under the backside line, but I have to size in appropriately to allow the stock to get up to here because my risk on this setup would be over this previous high. So like I'd be risking, you know, $15 getting in at say 8 bucks down here. So that's why I'm saying, you know, like you don't just want to be like, okay, it broke the line, you know, that's what these Google images are saying. Let's get in full size here because, you know, I might be trying to cover this down into this low right here which says, you know, 6 bucks. Right? So like I'm I'm looking to make 2 bucks on this. And it's going to go up, you know, like seven or eight bucks or whatever, it's going to go up, right? So I might just put on, you know, if you're going to take, you know, say it's going to be a thousand share trade or something like that, you know, I might put on a hundred right here. And then if it just tanks straight down, okay, great. I made 200 bucks, right? But if it goes back up, then that's even better because now I can add and then I can, you know, I can maybe add a little bit here. Like maybe there was, you know, maybe kind of had a small bounce right there. So I can add a little bit right here and then it keeps going through. And then I can add full size up here. And then it might turn right back around and you know bounce down. And then I hit my level and then I'm out. Right. But you always have to be willing to let it go up to that previous level. Because if you're not, then you're gonna get like you're just gonna get blown out because you'll look at it and say, okay, well, you know, this is this is a normal pattern that I see online all the time. And they say, you know, oh, if it goes back over, like once it breaks here, then if it goes over this level here. Then you cut your loss because that means that the pattern's reclaimed. Well, no, it hasn't. Like the pattern's still broken. It's gotten over the 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 main line, but this this is your level. Like that's why I like horizontal lines. Horizontal lines always hold more weight than um, like diagonal lines always. So this gives you the indication that the trend has shifted. And what this tells me is okay, it's shifted to the point where now. Um, shorts are gonna be sizing into this. So I know all the way up this spike, shorts are gonna be sizing in. Longs are gonna be starting to sell because any there's still buyers up here. Like there's still buyers right up at this top. And if it gets back to that level, they're all gonna be thinking, thank God, you know, I was down 50%. Now I can get out for break-even. So they're all gonna sell, shorts are gonna size in, and then you're gonna get that move down. But if you don't size into the trade correctly, you know, you could you could get in down here and you could cover it at 15. And take a huge loss, and then it plays out exactly how you want it to. So that's why it's really important to, to to get into positions in the right in the correct way. And the same thing for for sizing out, right? So, like if I was if I was in full size now here up at fifteen, and you know there was this little bounce say here down at I don't know say eleven at this line, like I'd cover some right here. I'd cover a piece right there, and then I'd cover another piece on this uptrend line again, and then I'd cover another piece down at this base. And then I cover my last piece down here at this this base right here, which was my overall goal. So because it could easily hit any one of these levels in reverse. So if you're not covering into those levels, you know if you're just holding for the fences and hoping it's gonna go all the way down, you know what if it what if it comes within twenty cents of this line and then it just reverses and blows you right out, right? So it's always really good to size in and size out slowly and you know it's just like it's you know, a lot of guys just call it line to line, right? Like you draw your levels and you you size in on those levels appropriately and then you size out on those levels appropriately. Um, and then you can take uh, you can take bounces too, right? So if you have, you know, if you have a situation like that where the stocks, you know, it's gone way up and you get this big run up and then it tanks, you know, there's your line again. So you start sizing in here and then, you know, maybe you covered, you covered some on this line right here. I covered some there and then you know it comes down and then it bounces back up and then we're back into this line so I can short more here and then when it comes down I can cover into this one and then if it you know if it bounces again I can short again and then cover again and then if it goes down further then you know maybe it comes down to this level and then I can cover more down there and then if it bounces again you know it's bounced back up into this line so I can short more here and then you know you just you just kind of keep Keep recycling your shares in and out to each line, like each level. You don't. If if you're trying to just get in full size and and swing for the fences, like you're always going to lose because because generally speaking, the probability of a trade going like perfectly to your entry and perfectly to your exit is pretty low. So if you're not taking profits on the way through, you're not adding on pops or you know adding on dips if you're long side selling into spikes, um, you're kind of you're kind of just you know. You're just opening yourself up to a lot of problems, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it's because of you that I learned to, well, that I forced myself to size in and out more. Yeah. Because I was trying it's to, like, I, I was <laughs> trying to do actively trying to do like the the perfect in and out.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: But, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it works out pretty well. Like, in really, what it comes down to is just is just you just want to find out a good a good setup that's consistent, and the way that you do that is through a lot of research. Like the, the number one the number one reason that a lot of traders I think fail is because they have this image in their mind of like the perfect setup and they see it and then they'll take the trade and then it fails. And then they'll see it again and they take the trade and it fails and they'll see it again and they take the trade and it fails. And it's like, you know, why does this keep happening? Like why is this not working? And it's it could be because, you know, you're not trading the right float, you're not trading the right stock, you're not in the right market. Like maybe you're trading biotech and that only really works in you know tech stocks or But the only way that you know that based on your specific, like I could, you know, I could teach, I could teach anyone how to trade the way I trade, you know, perfectly because I know where my patterns work. I know what stocks they work on. I know the criteria that they work on, but that's not to say that I could do the same thing on, you know, Tesla, like, you know, like you do, David, or I could do it on, you know, Amazon, or I could do it on Apple or any of those other stocks. It might not work. It might work, but maybe not. Right. So it's there's so many different trading styles so when you when you're looking online and you're just saying oh yeah this is a this is a pattern so this just works it doesn't it doesn't work like that it might work based on certain criteria so if you see you know like we talked about a bull flag there in the beginning if you see if you see like a bull flag which is you know basically you know you get something like that and that breaks out so if you see a bull flag that might work great under certain criteria But under other criteria, you know, you might get a, you might get something like this where it just goes like that, right? Like that could happen too. And then all of a sudden you've jumped in full size right here and then you just get blown right out. Like that, that happens a lot. (laughs) So if you're not, and the reason for that could be a million different things. It could be that, you know, an, an unforeseen news article came out, which you can't really plan for. And then, you know, that happens, or it could be that, You know, maybe the maybe there was too high of a short float, or it could be that uh, you know there was like uh, something going on with the I don't know, with the market cap was too big, or like what it could be, could be a bunch of different fundamental things that the reason it doesn't work. It could even just be that the volume wasn't that big, right? Like, and that's what that's why I say like you know you want retail traders to be involved. So if you look at you know if you look at like a, a blue chip company like something like Apple or or you know Microsoft or whatever. That has a really high float. Um, I don't know, like do you know offhand what like Apple trades on a normal day, volume wise? Million? Uh,
0: 40, 50 million. Sure. Is that it? Yeah. Okay.
1: So so for example, let's say, let's say we have something like this where you know you're you're forming this bull flag, and then we break out here. So we have you know two days, two green days right here where it's broken out, but the volume hasn't gone over 40 million, which is the normal trading volume for Apple. So that tells me that this isn't a significant move because that's still just you know the normal institutional traders um, just going about their thing. Retail hasn't jumped on board and started piling in, so that's when I know that this thing can fail because there's no there's no attention on it. Like if you look at the volume and the volume hasn't changed when it's broken a key level, there's no attention, there's no force behind it that's going to drive it up. So that becomes a failed trade. So that's. And that's, you know, that could be the only reason why this trade didn't work. Whereas if it broke out there and then, you know, you have your your volume over here, is say 40 million, 40 million daily. And then all of a sudden we have two days out here where it's broken through and it's, you know, it's 300 million. Then this thing could just, you know, just rip right up massively and it could be a huge trade.
0: You know, it's funny. Did you, did you know Apple had a, a pennant? They formed a pennant oh yeah it's funny that you called it because um i just i'm just checking out apple right oh, yeah, now
1: no, no I, tr- I traded that yeah that's
0: why <laughs> i was like yeah. i was like yeah it formed a pennant but it looks like it was a failed breakout
1: yeah well i think that was something to do with the options though because it got up to 150 a couple times and yeah, then it pushed bad. through and there was like i don't know what was going on but there was something going on in the options market so like i'm in apple like long term obviously so i'm not really like i'm not trading it i just kind of I looked for an entry and I'm thinking, okay, if it gets through this, it's just going to go. But if it doesn't go, I'm not too worried about it because I'm not selling it anyways.
0: Um, yeah, I noticed a, a lot of the large caps actually, um, every, every so often they actually have uh, very similar patterns, especially on the daily.
2: Because
0: mm-hmm. I think, cause I think they're, all, they're all affected by the larger market trends. Right. So, yeah, because I'm thinking if I, if I pull up like a Google – no, well, Google broke broke out. Wow. Is, that, is that Apple there? Are you seeing my screen? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. I was like, I wasn't sharing screen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that Apple? Yeah, that's Apple there.
0: Yeah, that's Apple. But yeah, like like if
1: you if you were to draw lines on that uh, on that pennant right there, like there was a failed breakout and a failed breakdown. Yeah. Right? Yep. But if you look at the volume, like you had a little bit of a volume increase when it was trying to break out, but it wasn't anything significant.
0: No, and it it looks like it was still trending downwards over time.
1: Right. So that would drive you nuts because the thing would break out and then you buy it, and then it would it had a false break down right afterwards. So you literally would have bought dead top and sold dead bottom, and now it's come back at come back up again and consolidating. So that's you know that's a great example because people would look at that and they'd lose their mind saying you know like. This pattern doesn't work. Like this doesn't make any sense. But it's not. It's not the pattern. It's just because the volume wasn't there. Or there was something else going on, right? So that's why you got to dig into these things. It takes a long time. Like for me, like when I when I try to come up with like a new trading strategy, like it takes me probably at least like like probably three or four months before I have enough data generally that I'm fairly comfortable taking small trades, and then probably another you know three months after that before I'm willing to get up to any si- any kind of like decent size on it. Like, I'm like, it's, it's usually like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty cautious when I trade generally speaking, but like, yeah, it's probably like at least like from the time I see something to the time I might actually put it into practice is usually like five or six months.
0: Yeah. See, that's, I think that's good, goes back to what we were saying is important is like having an edge, right? Everybody, it takes like what a day to learn, you know, most, the most common patterns. That's not an edge. Right. Those are like really just really basic tools. Um, I mean, the so like for Bitcoin, the last the, that that was the last basically the last real trade I did where Bitcoin bottomed with the um, um, I think it was on 28,000, whatever it was. Right. And I played yeah. that. And my edge was not only that I saw a pattern that I still to this day haven't seen anybody else call out, which was a fulcrum bottom. And not only that, but I also pay for the data from, um, from Glassnode, So I could see the on-chain analytics. I could see accounts accumulating Bitcoin, like OG accounts. So I'm like, so that's my edge, right? That extra information.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you actually pull that up for a second? That's a great example. I just oh. want to go over it. Yeah. yeah.
0: If you have that handy. Not like your trade specifically, just like the Bitcoin on the daily. Yeah, totally. Um, Sam... I'm, uh, I'm, gonna share, I'm gonna share a screen.
1: Okay, you can you can pull up mine first if you want, Sam, if that's easier. I can kind of draw, yeah, so I'll just, I'll just draw like generally what happened and then we can look at it on the actual um, Bitcoin chart. So, you know, basically we had, you know, we roughly had like a head and shoulders, whatever was going on. Um, so we had, I think it was, you know, it was kind of something like this. We had like this big head and shoulders and then, you know, it kind of came down and then, we had, you know, we had a few bottoms. And basically, this is a great example of, you know, essentially a failed head and shoulders because what happened, and this is why it's really key to think of both sides of every trade. Like if you're a short trader, you should every time you get in a trade, you should be thinking, How fucked are longs? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because that's that's how you know it's gonna be a good short, or vice versa, right? Like our short's getting screwed right now, then I'll go long. So this was a great example because, like, you know, I, I actually traded this one short and I lost, but I lost, you know, my loss was insignificant because it hit my risk and I stopped out. Um, and then David did the exact opposite. He got in long and he made a ton of money, right? So essentially what happened was, you know, we had this base here on the head and shoulders and we broke, we broke through that level. So, you know, I started, I actually started short up here a little bit because i could see the pattern building and my risk was the top of this because it has to be right like that's where you have to risk to so when it came down we got a pretty quick reversal and then it came back up and like my thinking short side was i want to see this thing like just cuz i know it's bitcoin i was like i want to see this thing kind of you know play out before i add more so i only had like you know maybe a quarter total size on this thing and then what happened was it ended up coming up and it broke over this top which is where i stopped out yeah. yeah. So I stopped out right there and then it came down and then we had a huge move back up right after that. So if you want, if you want to look at this as far as like the psych, the psychology behind it, what happened here? So if, if I'm a short trader, I know that I need to stop out. If I'm a long trader, I look at this and I go, okay, so this thing just broke. It's a perfect head and shoulders. Everybody is piling in short here. And now all of a sudden we've reclaimed. So for, you know, if we're up in this kind of area here, like you know the shorts my shorts are probably starting to sweat a little bit if we're up here anybody who's smart on the short side should be out already like i was already out at this point you know not to I'm not trying to say that i'm a genius or anything but you know <laughs> i was already out at this point but a lot of people don't right they panic because they might have been in full size down here and now they're going you know shit i hope this thing just you know just turns around so they're all hanging on just you know hoping and holding which is a terrible strategy um, and then we get this little bounce and it just rips up after that because all the shorts are getting blown out through this move and all the, all the longs are buying into that. So that's like, that's a perfect example of how you can look at both sides of the trade to profit. Like, you know, in, in another, you know, and I've, I've done this a few times where I'll cover my short, you know, David, I've sent you a million of these charts. Like, I'll cover my short and I immediately just buy in long and I end up overall still making money because my loss on the short was small. Because I sized appropriately, and then my profit on the long was big because I know generally speaking, if I get stopped out of a short, most of the time it's a long because you know I know how to I know how to trade my setups, I know how to trade them very well. So if I get stopped out, then I know a ton of shorts are getting stopped out, which means it's usually a good time to buy.
0: I think you just touched on something that's super important. It's your setups, right? If somebody's using implementing somebody else's strategy if it goes against them, they're going to start questioning a whole bunch of stuff and they're not going to have any answers. Right. Whereas your strategy, you know exactly how it's supposed to play out. And so you can mark the moment that it goes against you. Like that's it. It's, it's, it's flipped.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I've, I've literally had times where, you know, I see the stock moving or whatever, and like, it'll, it'll hit my stop and I immediately just market by, you know, a thousand shares long. <laughs> Without even thinking about it, because I know it's broken that level and it's reclaimed, and then I'll. Rip it up. So, yeah, it's really important like that to to think of both sides of the trade always, because if you're not, then you're you're basically handicapping yourself to fifty percent of the information, right? And uh, yeah, it, it, same thing. It works both sides, right? If you get to if you get a long, long trade, um, you know, if you have you know something like this again, yeah, you know you have something building and building and building. You know, maybe it's creating like some sort of a wedge or whatever. And then you have this big break up like that. And then all of a sudden it comes back down and then it comes below that line and you get a bounce here. Well, that's a great short entry right there because now you know all these guys that chase this thing long, especially if there's volume on this, are going to be panicking. And then when this comes down, once it breaks that base, once it breaks there, then you're going to get absolute panic and the thing's just going to tank. And that's exactly what we saw up here um, on the long side of Bitcoin.
0: You know, it's funny. Your your description of um of what happened, like that was just purely based on experience, right? You looked at the chart, you looked at the price action, you're like, that that's exactly what happened. The funny thing is, I have the on-chain data, and I can actually, I can I can see the accounts. I can actually prove that you're absolutely right on everything that, that you were, you're were saying there. The sh- when uh, when Bitcoin, when everybody was anticipating Bitcoin was going to hit like twenty thousand, twenty five thousand, that breakdown. I saw shorts uh, pile in. You could see the accounts pile in and take positions. But those dumbasses, what they didn't do was cover once Bitcoin hit 28,000. They, really they added more. They added more. And then the thing that screwed them was that somebody was in that in that area buying it up. So as they were selling, somebody was just absorbing all of that. Right. And then, and then they were done selling. And then they're like, holy shit, we're stuck at 30,000. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? And then it goes up, it just becomes an easy play. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I posted on Instagram like if I used, I said those exact things I'm like if anybody was going to engineer a short squeeze like this would be it yeah <laughs> I mean, what happened it just went boom yeah
1: no that was a, that was a perfect example of that and yeah that's what it's just so funny because like like you, you just got to be able to look at a chart like you know like we can now because we've like we've seen it so many times but like when you can look at a chart and you can see the panic on the other on the other team's eyes through the chart that's when you're good like. Like I think probably one one of the most important things as a trader is to be able to to see which side is winning. Like once you can see which side is in control, then all, at that point basically all you're doing is riding a trend, right? Yeah. So yeah. it it just becomes it's a really valuable skill to have. But that's you know that that's not something that I, I don't think like none of the guys that I've learned from anyways have really talked about that. I haven't to be honest. Like I'm sure there's some traders that talk like that a lot, but I, I've never heard any that uh, that really. You know, stress the importance of that, but I, to me, I think that's probably one of the most, the most important things in trading is to be able to see both sides and really be able to objectively. You know, we always talk about this with everything. Is like, you know, there's, there's not a lot of objective people out there. Like, you can't be married to an idea. Like, I don't, I don't get into a stock and I think, oh, well, so and so said it's a long, but I'm short, so I'm just going to keep adding even though it's going way against me. Like, I know I'm right. Like, no, like I'll sit here and I'll argue with you for an hour about how I'm right on this stock and it's going down. And you could call me an idiot and I'll say, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And then if it hits my stop, instantly I could be like, yeah, you're right, bro. Sorry. <laughs> but it saves you a lot of money.
0: <laughs> I, that, I think that's exactly where that uh, the famous, uh, what's that saying came around? It's like the market can stay ir- irrational longer than you could stay liquid.
1: Uh, yeah, or the mar- market can stay irrational longer than you could stay solvent, right?
0: yeah so it's like it's like it's because like you think the mark the market should do this one thing and you're gonna be stubborn about it and keep like thinking it's gonna go that way and, and bet that way and it's gonna fuck you over time yeah. and over again
1: yeah and the other th- the, the thing that really causes problems too especially with new traders is that even if a pattern is perfect it can still fail yeah right so that's that's a huge thing that i want to stress to people as well is that you know No, no trader wins hundred percent of the time. And the reason for that is like, because sometimes the perfect pattern just fails. Like I could find a chart that is just beautiful. It has like everything, the, all the fundamentals are perfect. The setup is perfect. All the levels are perfect. I could get into it full size and like be so confident that I don't even, like, I don't even need to watch it because I know for a fact it's going to do what I want it to. And it just reverses and blows me out and I take a big loss and then it just, you know, runs up another hundred percent. And that happens, right? Like that—that that can't happen. So that's that's really key to keep in mind. And as a new trader, I think that's probably for me, anyways. That was one of the most challenging things to to really accept because you can you can do all this analysis, you can do all this data hunting and get all these numbers and spreadsheets and everything, and think okay. And then you're sitting there and you're going okay, like this is it. This stock meets all my criteria. The patterns there, the fundamentals are there, the volumes there. Everything's gonna work. And then you hit the trade for the first time after six months of research and you lose. And you're just going, like, fuck, like, what the hell went wrong? You know, and you start, and then you go back to the analysis and you start reanalyzing everything. But to people that do that, because, you know, nobody ever told me this when I was doing it, you have to keep in mind that it could have just been that, you know, 5% anomaly of a stock that just doesn't work. Like sometimes they just don't do what they're supposed to. And that's, you know, that's the market. It could have just been, one freak buyer that came in out of nowhere and just, you know, blew you out or one seller or like whatever happened, like it could be anything. Right. So it's, that's why, you know, I've talked about it before. It's really just a game of probabilities. And the important thing when you're collecting your data as well is to save the ones that don't work. Like I do that as well. So anytime I see a pattern that meets all my criteria and it fails, I save those as well in a different folder because that will give me a balance of how many of them actually work. So I might have, you know, over, say, three months, I might have, you know, say, 100 in the the folder that worked, and I might have, you know, five in the folder that didn't work. And then I know that this particular pattern has a 95% success rate, right? Because if you're not saving those charts that fail, then how do you know how effective that pattern really is? Like, you could be looking at it and saying, oh, this one broke out and then it failed and you ignore it this one broke out and it failed and then you ignore it. And this one broke out and it went, so you save it. But you you might only be looking at the ones that work. So if you're only looking at the ones that work, that particular pattern might only have a 10% success rate, but in your mind you have you only have charts saved that are ones where this pattern works. So you're sitting there, you know, pulling your hair out wondering why it's not working. So it's really it's really important to save the winners and the losers of the setup because that's going to give you the data it tells you your percentage of this trade working out. And then, if it does fail, you can sit you can sit there with confidence and say, "Okay, this is one of the five percent that didn't work, and then move on and hit that trade again the next time because ninety five percent of the time it's going to work.
0: so what you just mentioned is actually one of the most common biases uh, people people deal with all the time. Uh, but it's very rarely called out it's called um uh, survivorship bias right so we so you look at um books that claim to know what um what it's what what traits a successful person will have right the bias there is you only look at the winners and you, then you look at the commonality between the winners and then you're like oh it's, it's these things but then they never look at the graveyard full of people that tried that had those same attributes and have failed yeah right and so you need to look at the full picture
1: yeah, that's very, very important. And that's that's something that I've never heard anybody who teaches how to trade stocks say. So I just want to make that like abundantly clear because that's, I mean, really like a lot a lot of people say, I shouldn't say that because a lot of guys will say, you know, take the trade, like, like find out your setup and, you know, take the trades that uh, fit your criteria and then, um, you know, save all of your trades. And then once you've saved all your trades, you know how often this setup works and doesn't work. Well, I don't want to lose money. Figuring out the probability of a setup, right? I'd rather figure out the probability when I'm not spending any money and then I know if it's going to work or not. Like, I have, there's probably 20 different patterns that I've spent months and months documenting and tracking and saving um, that just didn't work. Like, they were like, you know, 50 50 odds or something like that. Like, you know, maybe, maybe when they did work, like some of them were huge gainers, like they'd run up, you know, 100% in a few days. But they'd only work like you know thirty or forty percent of the time. So if you're playing the probabilities game, you know, I can't be everywhere at once. So if I miss one of those trades, then the probability is now not in my favor because if i'm if I'm taking every single trade every single time that pattern shows up, if it's a hundred percent gainer versus like a twenty percent loser and it works fifty percent of the time, then those numbers work out, right? Because you're making one hundred percent profits and then you know you lose 20% and then you make 100% and then you lose 20% cuz it's a 50-50 whether or not it's going to work but if you're not taking that trade every single time you see it you might only end up trading the losers in which case overall you're not going to make any money on that pattern
0: yeah that's uh, that's another fallacy i love how like it's the, that that one's the gambler's fallacy where you flip a coin it's like mm. what, what are the- Odds, you know, it's a fifty fifty flip when you flip a coin, right? Like what are the odds it's gonna go ahead? So let's say you flip a coin, shows heads. What are the odds of the next one? The the gambler's fallacy comes in is let's let's say the guy gets five straight heads. You're like, the next one's gotta be tails. It's gotta be. I, I've got what are the probability of getting five straight heads and not getting a tail? It's still fifty fifty. That's the yeah. that's the fallacy.
1: Yeah, every time.
0: So and that's what makes it hard, right?
1: Is if you're you know, if you're trading and you have a setup. That's why I like setups that work like ninety percent of the time or more because the odds of me getting, you know, 3 or 4 losing trades in a row is very minimal, but it can still happen and it does still happen, right? Like I have, you know, like I haven't like I, I I've gone I think I've done like 40 trades or something now over the past like 6 weeks and I've only lost twice. Because the pattern that I play is has a I think it's a 93% chance for success. So oh. So, you know, but but like I, I lost two trades in a row, right? So if if I had a started there, I, you know, I'm like, okay, this pattern works 93% of the time. If I didn't have that data, knowing the percentage of how often this thing actually works, and I was like, okay, I'm going to start trading this pattern now, and I have two losers right out of the bat, I'm, I'm going to go back to the drawing board and spend another few months trying to figure out what went wrong. Well, nothing went wrong. Like the pattern works. It's just that's the that's the seven percent that's gonna fail on me, which is fine. But as long as I trade every single one, overall I'm gonna make money on that setup.
0: Yeah, I think um it might be shocking to people to people to realize that this is this takes work, like a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> a lot
1: of work, man. Like I was talking to Brendan the other day and I was like, I was like, Yeah, I think I actually said it on the last podcast. I was like, Yeah, now that I'm like you know, I've been trading for like four years and I know what I'm doing and I can make money. I can uh, I can enjoy the luxury of only working 16 hour days.
0: <laughs> That's legit, man. Like, yeah, like you really have to like um, put in the hours to find like the you, the edge. Right. Like I, I go about it completely different from you. Like I, I'm, I don't save my patterns and whatnot, but. I spend probably an equal amount of time looking for other data, right? My like, so if it's Bitcoin, it's my on-chain data. If it's, if it's my Tesla, I'm looking for, I'm just scalping for every piece of information that, that would affect the company's stock price. So like whatever it is, it's, it's, it's always work. Right? Yeah. And
1: it never ends because things are always changing. Like, even though, you know, you're in Tesla and that's and Bitcoin and like you've traded both of those for years and you probably know like more about them than almost anybody you still look at them every single day because something can always change. There could be a new variable that pops up and you got to take that into consideration, right? Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing with uh, with the like the way that I trade. Like my patterns work great, but if we go into, you know, a bear market or if we, you know, or like, you know, you get covid where everybody's at home and there's this huge flood of retail traders, like they change. So if if I'm not like every single day I track every pattern that I see, like you know, I spend a couple hours every single night of the week after work going through whatever happened that day, saving everything, writing notes on everything, um, you know, two hours a night, every single day, no matter what I haven't, like I never miss a day. And that allows me to stay current because then at the end of the week or at the end of the month or whatever your timeframe is, like, I can sit there at the end of the week and say, okay, like, you know, what was like, things seem kind of weird this week. So like, what's going on? And I can look back at the past three weeks and I can see a trend. I can see like, you know, okay, like, oh, this is why the stocks weren't going as high, because like, things are generally coming down. So like, maybe instead of giving the stock this much range, I need to, you know, pull things back, and I need to get in full size a little bit sooner. Or maybe I noticed that things are starting to heat up. So things are going further. And it's like, okay, that's why, you know, I maybe took a bigger loss than I wanted to. So now I need to spread those orders out further again. But like, if you're not doing that on a daily basis, like if you've just set up your pattern, you know, two years ago, and you're saying, okay, this is it, like, this is what I'm going to do, like, it, it there's it fluctuates, it, it changes, right? If you're in a bull market, and you're a long bias trader, you might see a specific setup that every time you see it, it goes up, like, say, 30%, like 20 to 30% every time you see that trade, and it has a 5% uh, a lo- like potential for loss. But then if you get into a bear market or a sideways market, that exact same setup under the same criteria under the same fundamentals, the same volume, maybe it only goes up 10% and then, you know, it still has that same 5% loss. So it's only going up say eight to 10% on average. But if that pattern say only had like a a 35% success rate, it would have worked great in the bull market because your upside of 30% and your downside of 5% on average, even if it's only a 30% success rate, you're still making money. But once you get into a bear market where that upside comes way down that same pattern under those same circumstances does not work anymore.
0: Yeah. That's when people get chewed up um, trading when they shouldn't be like, they get just chopped up. Um, mm-hmm. but, but it's funny that you say that too, because um, remember like a few, I think it was last month <laughs> I kept complaining. Like there was a, there was like a series of orders that I had that continued to be missed by like five cents, 10 cents, like some, <laughs> some you know, infuriating number. Right. And it's, but it was, yeah. pretty, it was for exactly the, the, the reason that, that you brought up. The market sentiment does change. And when the sentiment changes, the targets change too, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I hadn't adjusted yet. That was my problem. I was still in the, this is a full-on bear market mode. So then I went a little, I'm trying to go long. So then I went a little below where I normally would. I'm like, I think it's going to sell off a little bit harder because it's the sentiment's a bear market. And that's why I kept missing the five and 10 cents because it was actually turning into a bull market. And then, so people were like trying, trying to jump the gun. And I didn't make yeah. that adjustment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. People are buying it up a little bit quicker because everybody's excited.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So they're, yeah. they're, they're front running. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's hilarious. So you still like- use
1: those same, you'll still use those same levels though, right? Like if you're trying to buy on a dip, like, you know, if it's Bitcoin, I don't know how you, how you'd size in, but let's say you're going to, you're going to try and size in at like 30,000, 29 and 28,000, like X amount of shares. Then, you know, if it's, if it's a bear market, you might do, I don't know, say a hundred shares at 30, 129. And like, you know, 200 at 28 or something. Cause you're, you want mo- most of your size at the very bottom. But if you're in, if you're in a bull market, then you might go say, you know, 150 at 30, 150 at uh, 29. And then maybe like a hundred at 28, because you still want to have some spread out to that level, but you want to get, you want to have more a little bit sooner because you know, that sentiment can change. You might not get that last ad, right?
0: Yeah. Um My adjustments are like point, point 0.5, 0.7%. Point so like, um, if it's a if it so cuz i'm i'm using the vpbvr to to find my 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 levels and the the volume price indicator but then what i do is like let's say if it's a it's a bear market then i'll add an extra maybe 0.5% on top of what i think it'll it'll be just to front run it a little bit but then if it's a bear market then i'll go a little below 5 0.5% uh, 0.7% something like that and then um it works until it doesn't and so like i need to keep 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 you know keep my pulse uh, keep 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 uh, keep my hand on the pulse of the market so I know where he, when things are shifting.
1: Yeah, usually like the way that I kind of like to do it is like if I have a like if I have a line say it's like ten bucks or something like that, I'll put instead of putting an order on the line, I'll either do um, like one just a little bit below it, or I'll do two. I'll do one um, a decent amount below it, and then I'll do another one over it, depending on the. And that was what I was kind of talking about at the very start. So, like, if you have, you know, if you have a stock with a high short float or a really low float, you need to give it give it more range, right? So, if it's something like that, if it's if it's kind of falling into the, you know, like let's say it's twenty percent float and it's a five million share, um, or sorry, twenty percent short float and it's a five million float stock, like if I'm shorting into say the ten dollar mark, I might put one order at say, you know, ten or sorry, like uh, like nine sixty. I might put one at 10 and then I might put one at like 1060 or something like that. Whereas if it was say, um, because that way if it if it does get that big wick, then that chunk of orders, my average is 10 bucks, which is my line, right? But if it only hits the bottom two, then that's fine. If it only hits the very bottom one, that's fine too. I mean, I won't have as much size as I want on the trade, but you know, I'm still gonna make money. But if it's something where it's like, let's say it's got, you know, zero percent short float, the the overall float of the stock is like 50 million. Then I might do something where I'll do, you know, like instead of, you know, 10 or instead of 960, 10 and 1060, I might do like, you know, 985, you know, uh, 998 and then like 1010 or something like that to try and keep those orders a little bit tighter that line.
0: You know, I just came to a realization why I do that because I only play large caps. And so like it's weird to split up a $500 stock you know, if, if I'm only taking like a $5,000 position, that's 10 shares, <laughs> Get that, <I> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? so Yeah, that's like, true, put one, one share here, one share <laughs> <laughs> here, Exactly, but yeah. it makes so much sense for you if you're playing like the 10, $20, you, you could split them up, like it just feels more easier, like more natural. Yeah,
1: that's true, yeah, because like if I'm throwing like a few thousand shares into something, like I could, if it's over, like if my range is a dollar, I mean, oh. I could almost do, I could almost do like, you know, a few hundred shares every 20 cents, right? Right. I'll just, be like, just hit all of them right <laughs> you
0: know? that's right that's that's funny though i just yeah i just realized that just now as we're talking yeah that
1: makes sense but to be <laughs> fair i have because that's the way i trade i have done that like where I like when i do trade like, lar- like like larger companies i've had ones where i'm like i'll buy like three shares here like if i'm trading amazon or something it's like okay i'm gonna try and buy this dip i'll do like three shares and then i'll do two shares and then i'll do one share <laughs> try and still get like the spread on them
0: I, I, I salute and respect the consistency, man. <laughs> That's like <laughs> awesome. so awesome.
1: Yeah, I can't get away from it.
0: Oh, man. But so are, wait, are you are you still swinging right now? Like Amazon? Like any, any, any of your positions? Um, I just have GRA
1: right now as like my, my long term swing, like a Nano Explorer, the Canadian company. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like like Amazon and uh, like Apple and like Nvidia and all those ones, like those like those are investments, right? I'm not I'm not trading in and out of those. Like those are just kind of my set and forget ones. So I haven't I haven't really found any other good stocks that I want to like long term swing trade recently. But like GRA has been great. I've been posting that like I, I keep I've been posting that on my story like a few times, my Instagram story, just trying like you know show people what I mean by like trading around the core. So it was like um, you know. Like I, I got like I'm into it in like the three dollars and then you know it shot up to four sixty, so I took a little bit off, and then it came down, bought a little bit more, and then it shot up to five fifty, so I took some off, and then it came back down to four sixty, so I bought more, and then went back up to five forty, so I sold a little bit more. Like, you know, just anytime I get any sort of significant move, like I have a few thousand shares of um like just my core position, and then I'll trade in and out with, you know, two to five hundred shares sort of thing. So I'm just like um, I have this like core chunk with a good average and then I just trade a few hundred shares around it anytime we get a decent move.
0: What's um, What constitutes uh, a significant move for you? Because I've been sort of doing that um, with NVIDIA. I just got out a little bit more. Like I, I think I've sold th- th- uh, 30 shares in the last month because it kept, it's, it's, it's all around the $200 mark. And I think mm-hmm. it hit like 220 something the other day and it, that was one of my levels. So I'm waiting yeah. for it to come back. But like for me, I'm trying to like, at least capture 10% moves. I don't know what it's like for you. Honestly, I don't really look at things. Like
1: I, I probably start looking at it more now that I'm like in like more long-term investment stuff. I look at it, but like when I'm trading, I don't look at percentage moves. Like I just look at, uh, i just looking at the dollar, like, you know, like, like DRA is like, you know, it's at five bucks or five twenty or whatever it's at right now. So like, you know, if it moves like 50, 60 cents, like I'll sell some, cause that's a pretty decent move. I don't know what, you know, what the percentage of that would be, but, uh yeah, like I'm just I'm just looking at kind of any anytime I just like I can just see it right. Like if I look at the chart and I look at like I look at how it's moved, I'm like, okay, that's a pretty that's a pretty aggressive move. I'll take a little bit off, sort of thing. Like that's it's uh, I don't want to say intuitive, but I guess it's intuitive, you know. <laughs> but like stuff like Nvidia and things like that, like I'm not I'm not selling into pops. I'm only buying dips because it's just like a long term accumulation. Same with like you know the S and P or any kind of stuff like that that I'm just in for the long haul. I'm not going to like you know if the if the S&P index, you know, shoots up 5%, I'm not going to sell some. I'll just be like, "Oh, this is great." And then if it dips 5%, I'll buy more. Kind of thing. So
0: Oh, did you buy the index? The S&P? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've won that for a long time.
0: Uh, what was it? ETF? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Um <laughs> it's just, it's just, just to park your money like you didn't want to put into like more into NVIDIA or something like that?
2: Yeah, just like to own like some of the index
1: like the S&P. I want to own like, like ideally, I'd, I want to have like a decent amount of S&P, like some of the Dow, some of the NASDAQ, and then buy some of the foreign indexes as well. Like I want to have a pretty decent amount of all the indexes like kind of across the globe and any of the good
0: economies. Oh, you really want to diversify, eh?
1: Yeah, because it's easier for me, right? Like, I mean, like. I make most of my money from, from like shorter term trading, right? Like, so that's, that's where the income comes from. And then I can put that into the long-term stuff. Like I, to be honest, like I don't, I just like, cause I work full time still, like I, I just don't have the time to, to really like do the research on companies and find good companies and, you know, do all that kind of stuff like you and Brendan do. So like, you know, if you guys tell me, you know, like we're talking about a few good companies, like I'll just, I'll just look at those and, and do some research and be like, yeah, this is good. I'll hop into it kind of thing. Or like, no, it's not. I won't. But, uh, like, for me to like go out hunting and find my own stuff, I just i really just don't have the time for it, so it's easier for me right now to just kind of accumulate indexes and I know I got my you know like little dividends and guaranteed my you know ten ten percent a year or whatever, and uh yeah, just kind of like like just kind of a safe place to be,
0: yeah, I think um that's a good message to to give like. Because I, I say it a lot on my messages, but I don't think I say it a lot on the podcast, which is like, you need to um, find a strategy that fits your personality, right? Because otherwise, it'll drive you nuts. Like with mm-hmm. money on the line and you're doing something that you, it's it's against your nature, it's like, it's terrible.
1: Yeah. It's also a fine line too between like uh, honestly just like like having
0: like living
1: <laughs> because like I mean like I you know like I work long days at my full time job like I'm, i I do like honestly work sixteen to seventeen hour days Monday to Friday like I have zero free time it's like I you know I'm up at four I go to work I come home I'm like running around the house I work out I do my meals I look at the charts I you know get coffee ready for the next morning and then I'm to bed like I don't have time to watch TV or do anything Monday to Friday. So like, you know, for me to try and add something on top of that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm running on like, like six and a half hours sleep on like a good night. So like, I just, I really don't have any time in the day to to try and add any more into that. And like, outside of that, it just becomes exhausting. Like I enjoy trading stocks. Like I enjoy, um, you know, doing short-term stuff and uh, like Like, I remember, like, even with Bitcoin and stuff, like, I know you kind of showed me it a bit, but, like, I I did that for, like, two weeks. I was trying to trade it because it was a 24-hour market, and I was, like, I was, like, sitting on a Saturday night, and I'm, like, watching it, like, trying to trade it. And, like, the next morning, I woke up, and I was, like, you know what, even if I figure this out, like, it's, I, I just can't, man. Like, I just, I need to have, like, I need to have that separation where I can, like, cool off and you know relax because if if i'm trading something that's 24 hours like i'll never be able to separate myself from it i'll just get buried in it and like to me it just becomes like exhausting and i kind of lose the fun
0: actually i can i can um i can fully attest to that you do get lost in it because i got i got i started trading futures really heavily uh in november all the way into the spring and it got to the point where i i had i was that's all i was doing with every minute of my free time And the thing was, I was trading worse and worse because I, I, you know, at some point you can't see the forest from the trees, right? I'm just starting to like play shorter and shorter time frames.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because you just want the action, right? Like you want to be in, like you want to be in the action, right?
0: Yeah. It's like the second I'm out, I'm like, I take a breath. I'm like, "Ah, fuck, let's do it. Let's let's you know, let's let's do the next play. But I shouldn't be doing that.
1: Yeah. Because then you're trying to force plays, right? And like that's that was the thing that I didn't like about Bitcoin personally. Is it's like. You know, I'll be like sitting there like waiting for something and I, like keep checking my phone, keep checking my phone, and I'm like, you know, it's not there yet. It's not there yet. And then like I'll go to bed and then like the play that I've been waiting for happens at three in the morning and it's this huge yeah. move. And I'm like, and then I get pissed off and I'm trying to look for something the next morning. And it's like I just I can't do this, man. I need like like I need I need I need separation on that kind of stuff. So but I mean to that like to that uh, to that respect, you know, like if I was if I was trading like full time, for example, I probably still wouldn't do Bitcoin, but I would be a lot more involved in like like the longer swing trades with stuff like you know the big blue chip companies like Tesla and and um, you know Xpeng and the uh, Neo and you know Nvidia or like whatever you know whatever is moving a lot. Um, I'd probably be a lot more involved in swing trading that. Um, but just for now, like I mean, the way that the way of my life is, I just you know to I put most of my money in the indexes. I have, you know, I have one account where it's, it's all kind of, um, not like not swing trades, but like, you know, all my, my individual investments and some of my swing trades are in there. And then I have my other account, which is all like my shorter term stuff. So I just kind of keep them separate. And, uh, I just, I basically just, I just do whatever I have time for essentially.
0: Yeah. I'm the same. I think it's, um, I don't know if, I guess it's the same for you. It's like a mental aid where it's like you sub, you compartmentalize your assets so then these are only for for swings these are only for investing it just somehow makes it clearer. yeah yeah
1: like i have three different accounts and all three accounts have different things in them because it's just it's easier for me to keep it separate because i'm like you know my long-term investments and stuff like that i'm not like you know if i'm looking at my swing trades i'm not pulling that up and seeing that i'm you know i'm down on one of these stocks and then i start you know like oh what's going on like i just don't i don't even look at them right like i look at them like once a month because i don't like it's i'm not selling it for Ever so, I don't really care what it does right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, the same, it's the same thing with like bodybuilding, man. Too like you know, you can easily get like just so submerged in it that it becomes like overwhelming. But like, like I like going to the gym. I like lifting weights. It's like you know, I like trading. I like trading the way that I like to trade. So like, I don't want to be you know a personal trainer because I don't want to be in the gym all the time because it sucks the fun out of it for me. Like I don't want to be trading all the time and constantly thinking about it because it takes the fun out of it
0: yeah i i i i, I fully experienced that like the soonest actually actually was a good experience um losing that little bit uh in springtime in futures and just getting f- so fed up with the whole thing and like um because now it really made me realize like i i, I really enjoyed longer swings i like being able to set i like being able to spend like maybe a night doing my research and doing my ta setting some orders and just forgetting about it and then i'll look at my phone one day and be like oh look it hit you know i, I just enjoy that <laughs> yeah
1: yeah but that's perfect because then it's fun right like you're making money and you're enjoying it and that's what it's all about because like you know if you if you hate if you hate trading you're not going to be a good trader and you're not going to commit to the kind of effort it takes right like same thing with bodybuilding if you hate working out and you hate eating like you're never going to get huge <laughs> you know? like you gotta you gotta enjoy it and if you if you like deliberately suck the fun out of it, then you're just going to get bad at it. Would
0: you Would you agree that in the beginning you might have to take a little fun out of it just to put in the time and the work to just get a grasp of it? I mean, we're we're obviously enjoying it now, but we can we can afford it, right? We have the luxury. Yeah, of yeah, all yeah. Of-
1: yeah, but I mean, like I, but yeah, that's that's the thing too. Though was like I
0: still enjoyed it,
1: like even when I was losing and stuff like that for years. <laughs> um, i was still enjoying it because it was like you know like anything i've really done like i don't know how to like, i don't know i don't know how to say it, that that sounded super arrogant but like anything i've really done i've usually been pretty good at it like you know like when i like when i used to wakeboard like you know i could do it immediately like when i raced motocross like i was you know i was top of my class pretty quick i like i was racing in high end like high levels like when i played hockey i was really good at that i got a bunch of awards like you know, uh, in school, like I was always getting 80s and 90s and everything. Like, I've just always been generally good at anything that I've focused on and I've been interested in. So like when it came to trading, it was just it was just like, so frustrating that I couldn't figure it out. But like, I just found it so fascinating, though, because I was like, this is the weirdest thing ever. Like you just sit here, and you just look at these little lines moving around in a screen. And if you know when to buy and sell or short and cover, like you can make you can just make money. Like sitting at home by yourself I don't need to like you know you're not going to work you don't like you don't have employees like it's it's just it was just like this weird fascination with this this like such a unique system of making money that I couldn't I couldn't let it go so like I was I was completely obsessed with it like I couldn't I couldn't not think about it there was months when I was like miserable and frustrated and like depressed and like beating myself up because I was like I can't figure this stupid thing out like This is impossible, but I would always go back to it because I was like, I was like, ah, I was like, I'm a smart guy. I can figure this out. Like, I got to figure this out. I just wouldn't let myself quit. it It took years of frustration, but the underlying, you know, feeling was that like, I still
0: loved it. I still
1: love the learning experience. I'm like, why is this working? Why did that not work? Like I'm pissed that I lost money, but I want to figure it out.
0: Well, I think it probably helped that you were making progress though. You would you'd would make mm-hmm. a mistake, you would refine, you'd make a progress, right? I bet you if it was all losses oh, over, over a long enough period of time, you'd have been like, I oh, fuck this thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, but, 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 like was, but overall, I wasn't making progress, right?
1: Like, for three years, I was steadily losing. Like, I didn't become, like, a break-even trader until, like, after three years of trading. So, maybe, like, I was
0: all, Maybe sorry? not in terms of um, consistently uh, um, in the green, but maybe in the terms of, like... You're you're starting to refine your pattern. You're starting to understand more. Like those those are wins, right? Yeah. Things start to click. Like, because that's what I used. Like I blew up six accounts. It wasn't until like maybe the last eighteen months that I started making money consistently. But I blew up six accounts, and it would be the same story every time. I'd feel disgusted, like fuck this thing. I'm never touching it again. And within like three weeks, I'm like I'm back. I'm just looking. I'm just gonna look. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have to have like some sort of a passion for it, because otherwise you're not gonna
1: deal with all that, right?
0: I just saw it as like a puzzle. I'm like, I can't believe there's a whole industry of people, trillions of dollars making money, and I can't figure this fucking thing out. Like, that's just unacceptable.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was the exact same way, man. It's just, it's frustrating. Like, why? Like, you feel like an idiot. You're like, I, like, I refuse to let myself fail at this. Like, I'm not going to look back 10 years from now and be like, yeah, I tried that thing and I quit because it's like, you know, it's, it's like with bodybuilding, right? Like, you get up on the, you get up on stage, you go to do a show, like in my head, I was like, even if I lose, as long as I know I did everything right, the whole prep, I didn't miss a beat. Like I can lose and still be happy with how I, like how I presented myself. It's the same thing with, it's the same thing with me for anything, right? Like I can't, like something that I'm interested in, like I can't look back on it and be like, I gave up. Like I have to look back on it and be like, I literally could not have physically done anything else to be better at that thing than i was and that's what i did for years is i was doing every single possible thing that i could think to get better at trading until i finally figured it out and it took
0: years i get it i get it it's like you don't want to be the one that says stop you want this thing to tell you stop you suck
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah basically like, if yeah. I just exhausted all my options and I still kept losing, then that would have been fine. But, like, there was always little breaths of hope in there. So yeah. I was like, okay, like, this is possible. I just got to figure it out.
0: Wasn't that the most frustrating period when you when you just learned enough TA where shit kind of makes sense, but you, you couldn't make it into, you couldn't put into you know practice, like, it wasn't like consistently working. And it's just like, yeah. what am I missing? What the fuck am I missing? <laughs>
1: yeah it drives you nuts and it's like you like you have all this data and it's like you go into a trade but like you know you're still you still don't really have any confidence in yourself so you're taking trades and you're like you're getting in so small and then you're giving yourself like no wiggle room for a loss and you're taking a loss and then like if it goes up like tiniest bit you're like oh i was gonna sell it up here but it's green so i'm just gonna take the money and then you just get out and it you know goes way up afterwards and it's like it just becomes like this frustrating thing. That's why like confidence becomes so important because like once you're confident, you can let it go against you as long as you know, the setup's going to work. But yeah, that was a really like, that was like a pretty much like a, a year of my trading career as well was just sitting there and just being so unconfident, like in every single trade I took because I'd, I have all this data and like, I'd sit there on the weekend and be like, yeah, this is perfect. Like, I'm going to be making millions like next week. This is great. I have so much information and then I go to take the trade and I'd just be sitting there like sweating buckets, like trying to <laughs> see if it's going to work and I'm, I'll be risking like 20 bucks or something like that. And it's just like, it's like a life and death situation.
0: Well, it's not the money. It's not losing the money. It's like no. being wrong. That's, that's, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. That was the most frustrating part is just being wrong. Like, I didn't even care about that money. It's just like, you know, I, I put all this time into it. That's that's the funny thing about trading. I've heard some guys talk about it. Like, you know, it's not like you put in two hours last night. So it's like, oh, I should be getting, you know, 30 bucks an hour for my time. So like, I should make 60 bucks today. It's like, it doesn't work like that. Right.
0: It's, you know what it is? It's almost getting comfortable knowing that you don't know everything and that stuff's just, just going to work against you. It's inevitable. And then within those variables, like, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you do this?
1: Yeah, that's why it's such an impossible thing is because everybody, like, it's, it's against everything that of human nature. Like, <laughs> yes. it's like, you know, you have to sit there and be like, okay, like, yeah, this is like, I gotta, I gotta be comfortable putting all my money on the line. And at the same time, I'm totally prepared to take a loss on this because it can happen. Like, it's a really weird mindset you gotta be in.
0: Remember a few few a few months ago I sent you, it was like on WhatsApp, it was like that meme. It was like Jon Snow, he's got the sword out and he's getting rushed by a horde and he's standing all by himself. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I feel like when I'm catching a knife. But that's exactly yeah. it. It's like I have to live with the fact that everybody says I'm wrong. And I and I but I'm saying I'm right and let's do this. Like we're gonna put money on yeah. the table. Let's do this. Yeah.
1: I love it though. It's such a good feeling. Like you're looking at it and it's like, oh, this thing's going to spike. It's like, oh, it's ripping up. Look at it go and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like sitting there and it goes higher and it's like hitting my shorts and hitting my shorts. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, all right, like, let's see what happens. And then it turns around and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a good feeling. That's a good. That's what an... I think. This was an awesome, uh, awesome episode.
1: Yeah. I think um... it was a lot of, a lot of good, uh, pointers in there, a lot of stuff that I didn't know. Hopefully some people learn some, some stuff that helps them make some money and...
0: Yeah, I realized some stuff too, but I think next week's will be interesting. Is if it's, it's just funny how that worked out today, we fully covered trading uh, once again, and the next week we're gonna cover uh, investing with, uh, with Brendan. Mm-hmm to we'll talk about um because i think we this is one topic we haven't been t- been touching on for, in terms of investing which is um let's say you don't want to manage your own money but you want to be involved in the market then then you're probably going to need a ma- money manager or buy a mutual fund and like so it's like important to know how to pick this individual yeah
1: yeah that's a really important thing i'd like because to learn about that too to be
0: honest because i i personally have nothing but sour experiences when when i was at brinks um they came up came came to us with a plan they're like well we'll match whatever your, your your contribution is there's literally only four plans like low risk higher risk slightly higher risk and highest risk right but i'm looking at what what assets are in there i'm like this is basically the same shit just different proportions it's it's all like safe shit right and the three years that i was there not only could i not beat inflation i actually lost money because of the fucking management fee mm-hmm. so that's what drove me to like manage my own money and then um, I took over my mom's RSP in January, but she's also got two other products that uh, some, uh, uh, somebody at TD sold her. And I looked at it, man, they did 18% return over 10 years. <laughs> one was 18%, one was like 16 a change. And this is after last year's monstrous run. I, I bet you it was negative like without, without last year. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Like, I like and the thing is, like, so I don't think most people know it's like those financial advisors that work for a bank, they get um commission selling those packages to, to clients and they yeah. don't really care whether or not it helps you that they got their commission.
1: Well, I think that's that's a bigger problem in the states too. I think with 401ks more so than it is here with like RSPs, like 401ks, there's so many different money managers out there, and it's like it's a really I don't want to say sketchy, but it's like a lot. There's a lot more moving parts going on. It's a lot easier to make the wrong decisions. So, uh, I think, I think uh, yeah, let's let's talk to Brandon about that one because he can probably he probably has a lot more insight in that than we do.
0: Yeah, because um, yeah, because on Tuesday I spent or it was Tuesday Wednesday I spent like an hour um chatting with somebody about it because they're because they're like they they said something that made me mad. I think that's why I spent an hour with them. Um because they're like they went to a bank and they wanted to talk to a money manager and like they basically made this person feel stupid just like you don't know what you're doing let us manage it because this is way beyond you kind of thing And i'm just i just made me mad yeah
2: yeah a lot of people do that right they
1: try and take advantage of you so it's yeah. tough though right i mean if you don't have the time or you don't really have the you know the willingness to to try and learn how to do it i mean like to be honest like i, I don't like I don't know what my future investing career is going to hold. Like, you know, I might, like, I might just keep buying indexes and I might just keep trading, right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, so I, because I haven't really, I haven't really dove in like to the long-term stock picking investing like you and Brennan have. Like, I might, I might just not like it. I might just not be good at it. I might not care to put in the time to do it because I've never really dove into that. So like, it's not necessarily that I don't know how to do it. It's just like I, it just can't hold my interest enough to make it profitable for me. And, if that's the case, then I'll probably just look for a good fund manager and and then have my own accounts so where I can put uh, money in index and just leave it at that.
0: Really? You would uh, find a manager even if you were just going to put it in an index or something?
1: Um, yeah. Like, I like to just, like, I just always like to spread stuff out, right? Like I have, like I said, I have three different accounts. Like, I do all different types of trading, like all different types of companies. And yeah, I just, I, I just, I don't like having all my stuff in one, in one spot. So, right
0: because i i i i agreed like you don't you probably i was thinking that you probably don't need to go into full on investing I figured you'd just be making a chunk of your money consistently with the trading and then whatever cash you have left over you just kind of park it in some you know high um high yield um assets right or like be yeah. five hundred and something with like um with like a dividend
1: yeah well that's that's like what a lot of the, like a lot it's funny a lot of the a lot of the the longer like the shorter term traders and stuff that i follow like a good chunk of them basically what they do is they they put all their money into indexes and then they buy real estate with the uh, with the rest of it because you know they're you know you're making you know like five hundred thousand a million bucks a year doing you know short-term trading you know i mean if if you're making that kind of money it's just it's just an easy like it's an easy relaxing way to to just put it in the in the indexes because like it's you know it can be a pretty stressful job doing short-term trading too so if you're trying to add on know looking into all these companies digging around doing all this other research, which really is a completely different discipline than what I do. You know, a lot of the guys they just don't like it. They they need that time away from the screens to you know be with their family and and live a little bit and kind of enjoy their lives. So it's it's just for it just works a little bit better to just put that money in the indexes, buy real estate and then, you know, you have your dividend money, you have long term growth, you know, if you can put like a few hundred grand every year into, into good indexes, I mean, you know like that's fine you can make a you can make a ton of ton of money on that really good return and that's basically just like long-term investment that's retirement fund right and then your your short-term trading is your spending money it's your it's your daily money and and that's like you know that's that's enough so it just depends it just depends on what you're interested in and what makes sense for you know you, you can't work yourself to death too right like you you got to try and find a bit of a balance. Like, I mean, you know, coming from a guy who works 16-hour days, like, <laughs> <but> <laughs> still, you know, I take Saturdays off. I don't do anything on Saturdays, but then I work all day Sunday
0: again. <laughs> you know what? That's a mark of a good trader, though. They, they realize what they're good at. They're going to do that and put all their energy into that. And then they, they probably realize they're not going to be good at investing. So let's park in real estate, which I think is genius. Like, you have that chunk of money, put it to work. But because I think if they try to invest, maybe it goes south. It goes the other way. And it's like... You know, you're making money this one end, and you're losing it the other end. So it's like, what's the point, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's just a patience thing too. It's like a personality thing. Like I like to do, like I like to be in and out of stuff, like you know, relatively speaking, fairly quick. Like I'm, I'm okay with like long-term stuff because like I'm doing my other short-term stuff at the same time. But like, if I was actively finding long-term stuff by myself, I don't think that I would be quite as patient with it. It's because I have, you know, I have you and Brendan kind of back up those decisions um that makes it a little bit easier for me to kind of ignore them and be comfortable with them but like right now i just like I, I don't think that's really something that i'd enjoy or something that i'd be really super good at so i just focus on what i'm good at and i just use that money to fund the long-term stuff it's just like it just it's just easier that way it's it works better for for my existence <laughs> so yeah i think we would probably wrap it up there probably not over an hour now
0: <laughs> awesome sounds good brother all right, listeners, thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, next week we're going to be talking about uh, uh, investing. So, uh, Caitlin, any last words?
1: Uh, no, I think we covered a lot of good stuff. I'd, uh, to be honest, like I'd recommend a lot of people maybe rewatch the first, you know, forty-five minutes or so of this when we we're going over how to set up a trading strategy, because that's like that really is just kind of like a little snapshot summary of everything that cost me a lot of money to learn, and you know, we oh. built this channel to give, give stuff away for free and just help you guys out. So.
0: If you could offer another resource, um, I don't know, like a book or something, just to get people to catch up really, really quick, what would you would you recommend?
1: It's
0: um, your favorite trading book. I know you read. read all the my things. favorite trading book is probably
1: uh, what is it? One Good Trade by Mike Bellafor. Okay. That's a, that's probably my favorite read. Um, it's I think it's more helpful though if you've already been trading for a while, like if you're kind of already know what you're doing. Um, okay. But that one was really helpful, and then. My other, my other favorite one, I think, I think this one can help a lot of new traders as well. It's called the Daily Trading Coach by, um,
0: was not Jack Schwager. That's the uh, psychology, more of the psychology. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brett N.
1: Steinberger. Steinberger. I can't remember how to pronounce his last name. Um, but yeah, the Daily Trading Coach, I think, is good for anybody at any level. It really is. It doesn't teach you how to trade. It tre- it teaches you the psychology of how to keep yourself from losing your mind.
0: Which is incredibly helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think so, I wish we touched on that because I think the one of the biggest reasons we screw up is not because our patterns were were whatever. It's because we couldn't get a handle of our emotions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a
1: huge part of it. Yeah, that's why I'd recommend that one to anyone for sure. But yeah, just uh, take a take a look at the start of the video because there's a lot of a lot of really key stuff in there. I think, and uh, hopefully
0: it helps you guys out. You can message either of us on Instagram if you have any questions. Like we're always around. Perfect. All right, YouTubers, take care.